So I imagine like a lot of people, I mean, I don't know. I stayed up quite late last night watching the returns of the U.S. midterms. I don't know why we always, I always do that. Uh, you know, they're not going to, Georgia's not going to be decided. You know that a lot of those states where the vote count takes a long time, much longer than you'd expect, um, that you're not going to know the results. But for some reason, it's just, it's it, the stakes are so high that it, it's always such captivating uh so captivating to watch to see what unfolds. So the votes are still being counted tonight. We still don't know who will ultimately control the U.S. House of Representatives or the U.S. Senate. It's very close. They're going to a runoff in Georgia uh, between Raphael Warnock, the uh, incumbent, and Herschel Walker, the Republican, who's the challenger. They're, neither got 50 percent. It was so close. So December 6th will be a runoff in Georgia, much like Back in 2020, when they had two of them, decided who controlled the Senate ultimately. There's some very close races going on in Nevada and Arizona. The House of Representatives look like looks like it will be run, be led by the Republicans. That will have a change of power there, which could certainly um, hinder President Biden's uh, second half of his term, of his first and perhaps last term. And it'll also have a pretty big impact on the uh, 2024 race. We saw some real. Uh, some real movement on that today. The New York Post, Fox News, sort of praising Ron DeSantis, who uh, won the governorship of Florida in, in quite the landslide with some pretty impressive numbers, uh, whereas a lot of Trump-backed candidates didn't do so well uh, yesterday. Not not entirely badly, but not as well as one would have expected, perhaps, given all the headwinds that uh, the Biden Democrats faced, unpopular in the polls, inflation high, price cost of living high, the price of gas high, uh, problems with crime, uh, you know, concerns over illegal immigration, all the usual things that tend to really decimate uh, the party in power during these midterms. So what exactly happened? There were some trends going on. Um, you know, the Republicans were hurt by candidates spewing conspiracy theories about rigged elections, so on, litigating the past, litigating grievances. Uh, and it probably cost them votes that would have made a difference in certain categories. Young people came out to vote once again and made a real difference. So what does this all mean, uh, both for what happens now, for other countries looking on to see what uh, trends are ha- trends are happening in the U.S., and for the race for 2024? Because, of course, all the marbles really come down to 2024 and the presidential election. Uh, when we don't know who's going to be running at this point, it's not clear that, that uh, Joe Biden will run again. He'll be obviously in his 80s. Uh, Donald Trump is clearly the favorite for the Republican nomination, but who knows what can happen between now and then. Last night certainly wasn't encouraging for him. Joining me now with more on all of this is Kami Akvan. He's executive director at the USC Dornsife Center for the Political Future at the University of Southern California. Thanks for your time tonight. A great pleasure, Ben. I'm looking forward to our conversation. So as always, a long night. Uh, the story's not, uh, the final chapter has not been written yet, but uh, how did you, what did you make of the results? There seemed to be uh, perhaps some surprises in there. There were some surprises. If history is a guide, the party in power tends to lose seats in midterm elections. There was the high inflation rates in the United States, as well as throughout the world, and low approval ratings for President Biden. That plus historical trends made a lot of people, including pollsters, think that the Democrats were going to get hammered on election night and that Republicans would end up with clear majorities, certainly in the House and likely in the Senate. What ended up happening last night was not a red wave, but arguably a red ripple. Some of the things that 
slowed down what seemed to be this Republican momentum were a couple of key factors. Number one is that young people, people of color showed up to vote and many did not expect that to happen. Traditionally, those demographics don't show up in midterm races in high numbers. They did yesterday. The other factor, of course, was the Roe v. Wade decision being overturned by the U.S. Supreme Court. It was a big motivator for Democrats, and that prompted many of them to show up and vote in places where they were able to make a significant dent in the headwinds. All that said, they just slowed down Republican momentum, but the House and the Senate could still be in Republican hands within the next day or two. So for Republicans, they're looking at it as, well, we didn't do as well as we wanted. However, we still managed to likely gain control of the House, and that's a big victory. They control the agenda, they control the committee structures, the leadership, and they control who gets subpoenaed. And you can imagine that there's going to be a lot of that happening in a Republican-controlled House. So a victory of, so we don't know yet exactly, the votes are still being counted, it could be a while yet before we know who controls what, but uh, you're right, at the end of the day, what really matters is who controls, who controls the House, right, and, and not necessarily by how much, but there could be some challenges for um, the Speaker, if, if in fact they have a very slim majority in the House of Representatives, and they don't have the Senate? Absolutely. Kevin McCarthy currently has a very loose hold on power. And there are a couple of people that are going to be vying for his position. Because he did not have a clear mandate, then that means his control of power will be a little more muted. And he may not be the speaker going forward. That makes governing a little bit harder. And because there's a split legislature, it makes the ability for anything to pass both houses unlikely. It is less and less common for members of one party to support legislation from the opposing party. It used to be relatively common in United States history in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and then things started to break apart and the parties have become more calcified and tribalized, polarized, and it's rare to see them cross party lines to support uh, legislation. So that's just going to make governing that much harder, means there's probably going to be fewer bills hitting the president's desk, unless you start to see something we haven't seen in years, and that's a lot of bipartisan cooperation. That's really the only thing that's going to get legislation out of the U.S. House of Representatives and send it onto the president's desk. Some of the other things we witnessed yesterday, uh, you mentioned Roe v. Wade. Uh, the overturning of Roe v. Wade was a big motivator for Democratic voters. We saw that uh, in some of the exit polls on some of the networks last night. It was almost as important as motivating as inflation was for Republican voters, which is an in interesting in that sense because the Democrats were banking on that. Uh, but, but any other surprises in terms of, for instance, the election deniers? There were many of them running. Some of them have done okay. A lot of them in the gubernatorial races have lost. Uh, was there a lesson in there to the Republican Party about perhaps why they didn't have a way? Was it was it poor candidates that prevented them from really sweeping last night? Yes. Mitch McConnell, the Senate Majority Leader, was quite concerned about what he called low-quality candidates. Those low-quality candidates were generally the ones who were supported and backed by President Trump. When he endorsed them, the base responded and nominated them in their primaries. So what happened is candidates who were considered closer to Trump, perhaps more extreme, 
certainly more MAGA, were the ones who ended up in a general election. And candidates who do well with the base don't necessarily do well in general elections. So we ended up with candidates like Herschel Walker in Georgia, who many thought was a terrible candidate, but he won the primary and could be the next senator from the state of Georgia, although it seems likely for a runoff to happen there. Mm -hmm. We look at low quality candidates for the governorships in Wisconsin. We look at Mehmet Oz, who was defeated by John Fetterman. Uh, and we look at candidates all around the country that underperformed because of their connection to Trump. And look where candidates overperformed. The, you could say that Trump was a loser last night and a winner was Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis in Florida won districts that typically don't fall into the Republican category, including Miami-Dade County, a very ethnically diverse, heavily Latino population. And that's in the DeSantis column. He went all of South Florida. So it shows that he's a formidable opponent and expect to see him rally for some type of presidential run in 2024. We may see the same from Governor Greg Abbott in Texas, who defeated Beto O'Rourke to retain his position as governor there as another contender in the race. And of course, Donald Trump, who says he has a big announcement and I think we know what that means. Yeah, you never I think know. so. You never know. <laughs> but I'd say it's, he was certainly telegraphing it for the past little while. If you're the Republican Party, you'd want to look at this and think there are some things within the party that are on the ascendancy, and there are some things that are not. And and I get the impression from last night that a certain tinge of of the MAGA attitude, but also a bit more, a bit less conspiratorial, a bit less grievance driven, seemed to be the path to victory for Republicans last night. Whereas the kind of whole election denying thing that that uh, Trump and his acolytes have been have been spewing for a while didn't seem to be as attractive to the American electorate in, in the midterms, at least. I think you you summed that up so well. The MAGA element of the Republican Party did not show up in force last night. That very well could inform how Republicans think about what is going to be a more favorable Senate map for them in 2024. So the path to the presidency going forward is likely going to go through Ron DeSantis, Greg Abbott, Donald Trump. Certainly Donald Trump is the front runner. It is still his party. Polling shows that there's more than 60 percent of their GOP who would accept him and want him as their nominee. A lot of those people have not yet felt Greg Abbott or Ron DeSantis flex their muscle within a primary and in opposition to Donald Trump. Donald Trump in 2016 not only defeated his primary challengers, he smashed them. So I'd say don't underestimate Donald Trump, but what we've seen in this midterm is that his effect is dwindling and that his grip on that power is not as strong as it was. How about on the flip side of this? Uh, clearly, if the Democrats had been wiped out last night, um, it wouldn't have been a big surprise, but it would have been yet another indictment of the president. Uh, what happens to Joe Biden now? Is this is this wind in his sails to run again in 2024? The, I guess the popular money was on the fact that he would the Democrats would get would get hammered last night and that he this would be another step out the exit for him. For Joe Biden, his political calculation has to do with his health, and he's made that quite clear. He's 80 years old. If he were to run again, he would be the oldest president in American history. There's many who are currently questioning not just his mental abilities, physical abilities, and just 
whether or not we have a geritocracy in government in the United States right now. So there's some clamor for other contenders to step up. But Biden, because he was a centrist Democrat, he did what a lot of other Democrats could not do, and that was defeat Donald Trump. For many Democrats, that is priority number one, just win. And if Donald Trump were running, then Joe Biden is appealing candidate to take him out. However, it's someone like DeSantis or someone like Abbott, the calculation looks a little bit different, and Joe Biden might not be that best candidate, in which case you go to the Democratic bench and say, well, who's on there? Is it a Kamala Harris, who is not that popular, where her disapproval ratings are higher than her approval ratings? And when someone's upside down like that, it's not a good position for running for president. Is it going to be someone like Pete Buttigieg, who's been waiting in line? Is it going to be a governor to emerge from the shadows? Is it going to be Gretchen Whitmer, who had a good night in Michigan last night? You know, where, is it going to be Governor Newsom from California, who's made it very clear that he wants to be on a national stage and has a lot of charisma and money to back him up? So a lot of contenders on the Democratic side, and we're going to see where this all shakes out because there's a a long road between now and 2024, and we've seen that surprises are the norm. Yeah, I mean, things can change in a matter of weeks, right? One last thing I was going to ask you about was was just how voting broke down. I was interested to see that the youth vote wasn't a huge factor everywhere, but the youth vote was fairly substantial yesterday, uh, motivated for midterms, which is rare, and it went disproportionately Democratic, uh, You know, not, perhaps not surprisingly. But you could see where where these parties now know where they need to go fight for 2024 now, where their votes could be, where they're not performing as well as they should be, or where they may be uh, seems to exploit. I think that's right. There's certain issues that are very motivating for Generation Z, and those issues are climate change, education, student debt relief, and of course, the economy. They were motivated by a few things, one of the issues that drive them, but also the specter of a Donald Trump running. When they showed up in 2018 and were one of the higher voting demographics, people were surprised. But young people demonstrated their might as an electoral bloc. They thought, is this a flash in the pan? Will this happen again? It did. In 2020, they broke those numbers. 2022, they looked very strong. The whole notion of Gen Z is disengaged from politics is turning out to be a myth. Kami Akvan, thank you so much for your, uh, for your insight on this. I appreciate it. A great pleasure. Thank you so much.